Hey, Sam, uh, you ready for doing some podcasts today? Some uh, two thumbs undecided today. Yeah. Zach, I got, a, I got a problem with you. You always wake me up at 10 a.m. to do these this guy things. Always got and I can't wake up at 10 a.m. I tell you this over and over. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Of course you're mad. You. You're mad. You're mad at me. You're mad at me for being here. You know, I work. I'm working five times a day, and and, and you come to me with with this. And you know what? You, you want some coffee? You want some coffee? I want Let's some, get coffee. some coffee. I want some you coffee. You know, I saw I, I saw your wife the other day. Beautiful what, girl. What are you looking Beautiful at my wife girl. for? What are you looking at my wife for? <laughs> you, this isn't. I'm not looking at your any, wife. This isn't funny anymore, Sam. I told you, this is not funny. I see the way you look at her, and it makes me a little upset. I, I'm just I'm just a man. Why, why can't you be and like... I think... Why can't you be like my other friends, huh? They're all happily married. Why can't you... Where's Where's your wife? Where's hey, your hey, girlfriend? Hey, Zachy. What? I love you. I love you. You're okay. Nah. I love you. No, tell me you're the you love me. You're the scum of the earth. You rat. What? What the hell does that mean? You're scum what are you of the saying earth. to me? Let's go get. What that. are you saying to me? I said, right, let's go let's get go that th- coffee. Yeah, let's get coffee. And scene. Hello, everybody. This is two thumbs undecided, and that was two thumbs undecided if directed and written by John Cassavetti. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm your humble uh, humble ghost uh, uh, humble host Zach Ferguson, and to and my, I am your humble. I am your humble ghost, Sam Ferguson. We talk about John Cassavetes, and we love John Cassavetes, and we decided to do a show about him today. There's a seminal film that came out in 1958. Give it to called us. Called Shadows. Ooh. And Shadows is a film um, that some people, I wouldn't say all people, uh, say is the beginning of, it was the first completely independently produced uh, major motion picture in America. So um, for a bat- and that is directed by a man named John, John Cassavetes. So John Cassavetes is an interesting guy because for the longest time, ever since the eighteen with the Lumiere brothers and Edison, it was all very corporate. Eighteen ninety six. It was. It was uh, supposed to be artsy, and it was. I'll, I'll it was, um rebut that. It wasn't very corporate until. Around the twenties, around the, yeah, the advent of sound. Be, well, I mean, the history that I remember reading is that Edison, like, they were trying to get away oh, from yeah. Edison, so they yeah. made these big companies by moving out to to California because I guess his 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 reach didn't reach out there. And then you had the big companies like what was it? MGM definitely. Uh, Universal Paramount. was it Universal too? I think it was Yeah, I think there, Universal changed its name though. There were three big companies and And Warner. Warner was definitely Warner, one that was it. Yeah, so like Warner Brothers, MGM and Paramount. And that was the big I mean it was a big studios. That then it became the big budget. You you'd never heard in a million years anybody picking up a camera. You would have to go yeah, out to California or you would be in New York also, when yeah. eventually TV came out. But I, honestly, that was until the fifties too. But C- John Cassavetes was a an actor who was a big motion picture actor. Like he was, he was around the block. He was a stage guy yeah. too. 
Um, I mean, Rosemary. I mean, actually, it's funny. His biggest stuff didn't really come out till the '60s, but he made Shadows. He was big on stage, though. Like he was a big stage actor. Is the thing. Like he comes from a theater background, and he did TV shows growing up in the '50s and '60s, um, as like kind of just another way of making money. Like uh, whenever I was talking with mom about it. Um, she talked about how, uh, like she knew his first acting. Oh, we, you were there for it. It was, she knew his acting through the Hitchcock special show or whatever. That's interesting. Like that's, that well, was, he how... was on, he was on one episode called you got to have luck. Yeah. Well, I guess, I don't know. They made an impression. Um, but, but I mean, he was, he's, he was, a, maybe not Barry. He wasn't Clark Gable. He wasn't. But he came from the same ilk as like Marlon Brando, although he wasn't a method actor. Um, actually, uh, I have to pull it up. But he went to um, the Actor Studio, which is um, he went to the Actor Studio, which um, is kind of what the method came from. Um, and he, who did he do it with? Uh, Was it Peter Falk? Because Another thing no. about uh, All right, go ahead. John Cassavetes is he has... Oh, here it is. Like so a very tight he, group. So, yeah, he does have a tight group, but he went to the, the actor's studio and actually auditioned with Lee uh, Strasberg. Um, at first, he was, I think, not accepted, but then he came back, um, and apparently he, he did a thing with... Um... um I'm reading it. I'm reading it. Whatever. He improvised. Um, he said, like, this is a um, this is a play from such and such. Like, he was making up a play, and he just completely improvised with somebody else this thing that he was claiming was from a play, and he just completely improvised a scene. And uh, Strasberg, who was the owner of the, the actor studio, loved it. And he was like, you're in. Like, you're, you're, you're in now. And he said that was not a play you don't and then he was like critiqued her and said you don't know what acting is you don't even know that this wasn't a play you don't know anything and so he went and he actually made his own acting studio um like he made his own thing um and uh i'm but that, i mean that, that was basically it and then and then that's how he kind of grew these actors and that's where shadow came from shadows was kind of the 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 culmination where he 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 realized i have enough money i know enough people i can actually make a very low budget film um and i'm just gonna do it with my and i'm just gonna do it with my actors from my acting studio like i'm just gonna make a movie and there's a there's a lot of impression from john cassavetti films that everything is improvised i was watching a uh, an interview with Gina Rollins in which she was saying that's not true. Everything was written like maybe there was some improvisation, but Shadows was really the only film that was completely improvised. Um, well, that's interesting. Great to, film here because I would say that a lot of his earlier stuff um, does seem very improvised. So, like movies. Uh, so yesterday I saw the movie Gloria, which. Well, should we go in chronological order? I feel like this his. You kind of need to go 
need to build on him. I guess we can. So Shadows, that's way, like he did, yeah. Unfortunately, John Cassavetes, to be a little sad, did die relatively young at 59 years old. You know, you, you, by 59, you're kind of, I mean, people say that you've made your best films um, by that point. I don't know. But who know? Like who knows? I just find that fifty nine is a young age for a director to pass. Yeah, you still have those those twinkle light years to direct. Yeah, uh, movies. Um, and he died of uh, liver liver failure because he uh, had extreme alcoholism um, for most of his life. He drank himself basically to death. Um, so that's how he died. But it, he died too, too young. But you can also see in a lot of his films, everyone's an alcoholic. In the <laughs> well, everybody's drinking, definitely. Everyone's drinking, no matter what time of day. Everyone has a drink. And that was that was also very strange, like not seen in shadow. Okay, so we talked about shadows, right? Well, I mean, um, shadows was the first film I ever watched of his, um, and it's how I knew about John Cassavetes. You told me about John Cassavetes, as like he was major influence to major influence to Scorsese. Um, in fact, a lot of Scorsese's films kind of was imitating Cassavetes. Um, Sometimes. It, in, I, in, I, in that, so Main Street, not not Main Street, uh, Look Who's Knocking at My Front Door, uh, which was the door. first movie by Martin Scorsese, that I felt like was a direct reference to Shadows um, mm-hmm. or like the way to like, I think, Martin Scorsese was definitely the way I see it was like, oh, you can do stuff like this, um, and then did it. I think Shadows does it much better. I when I saw yeah. so my first John Cassavetes movie was a woman under the influence, and by that point, I feel like he really had a handle. Yeah, but we're jumping ahead. We are, but Shadows. Um, the reason why I love Shadows so much is uh, by this point it's mostly all a- like young actors, and. You know, I feel like any teen or like anybody who's in their twenties or, t- uh, yeah, it's like tw- it's like twenty year olds living in New York, but during yeah. a very very tense racial time, like you know, civil rights were um, kind of coming about. Or mm, I mean, not yeah, yeah. I guess they were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nineteen. 19- I mean, New York is a. It was pretty- the beginnings. Yeah, it was the beginnings of the civil, very beginnings of the civil rights movements. I, I mean, mean, Rosa Parks had just done her thing like a few years earlier and stuff i feel like new york has always been a very liberal town but it's also a very combination of a lot of stuff so you definitely have those people with prejudices and biases um and that shows up in the in the movie and i think the thing that i you don't i haven't seen in any other movie is kind of an embarrassment of being a racist like usually you see and in real life um when people are being horrible people they're usually they usually go all in they're like no no this is right like you, like think of it from my way like the guy in mm-hmm. the movie is dating a a um interracial like she's half black and half i guess white or like but um, well, I don't. I forget. I, I mean, it's been a, it's been two years since I saw the film, but she has one 
they're, it's like three of them living together. I forget if they're all siblings, but they're very, very close regardless. These three people. Well, no, and yeah, no. One white guy, one white woman who maybe maybe mixed. I don't know. And then it was a black man. Well, no, so it's the three of them no, living they together. Were, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were related. And that's the thing. Oh, they were? Okay. Yeah, it's the guy, the guy then sees her brother and he, he's like immediately taken back. Or like he's very reserved and he, yeah, yeah, he doesn't want to have anything with do to do with it. But immediately when he he shows his racist side, um, his brothers are like, "You gotta get, you gotta get out of here, man! Like you got, you can't yeah. be here." And then immediately he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that." And then I think he even says at one point, like he's like, "I have black friends," and it by that point it's it's already you've already showed your your yeah your your true side of things um, it was a great movie yeah. uh, i think it's definitely one of the it's a film from the 50s that i feel like felt like it was a film from the 70s like it just felt very yeah when you mo- i mean modern still like it just doesn't seem like a film from the 50s like it, i remember there was a, a scene where like these group of people are gonna go get into a fight and typically like 50s or like rebel without a cause the teens get into a fight and it's like this knife battle and it's like it's really intense and stuff and then in shadows they get into a fight and they get their fucking ass whooped like they get beaten up and like thrown into a trash can and stuff and and then at the very end it just says this was all this was an improvisational film or something it was a very different film at the time um but i think we should move on from that um so his next i mean he has a few he does have I mean, of course, he has a few other. So he directed a TV show called Johnny Starkitio. Staccato. <laughs> Staccato, which was, you know, just a regular TV show. And then he did two movies called Too Late Blues, A Child is Waiting. And then he did directed two TV shows, The Lloyd Bridge Show. Bob well, Hunt- those, those things were not written by him, uh, I think is the main thing. One was in France. Uh, was in uh in france yeah um, in the his in the book in the like the history like when you're talking about john cassavetti's movies these are not they don't have his touch though i gotta yeah. say too late uh too late blues is written by john john cassavetti's it is it is yeah but well, I, it's a it's pair richard carr and john cassavetti's but i guess yeah i it's just the, but it's also a french film True. I just that when I, when you hear about John Cassavetes, there's a certain, hmm. there are certain movies, but that is something I haven't seen. Too late blues, um, because when yeah, I lo- when I I'm looking up his stuff, these are not the movies that are, pre- like they yeah. are not talked about. But then we get to the movie that I would say is his next big hit and is talked about is Faces, which I feel yes. like is the grown up, the truly like in their thirties really serious this is like this i think is the next true john cast like we're starting to see his his style which is yeah a lot of yelling and a lot of like switching emotions like really rapid emotions and a lot of drinking um and this film was also this is 19 heavily influenced i think at this point, like, 10 years had passed. So, 68, a lot of things had changed. The French New Wave was over, and this was definitely influenced by the French New Wave. Um, 
Some people say John Cassavetes influenced the French New Wave. I've, in my little bit of research, I found that the movie that was more influential for the French New Wave that was American was this film called Little Fugitives, which came out in 1953. Um... That was it's another independent film oh, but that I, happened before Shadows. But I, I gotta say, if, if is that a thing that American films influenced the French New Wave? I like to think that no, no, French... not that it influenced. Um, well, no, I mean, little like people like it does say Little Fugitives was an influence to um, the French New Wave. It didn't create the French New Wave. I'm sure there was a lot of different things. Because I always was... like to think that all these things kind of almost like it happened because it was by nature supposed to happen in the 50s, just with how the world was yeah. turning about. Yeah. So anyway, so 1968, things were very different. French New Wave have happened. Um, and this is uh, John Cassavetti's last black and white film. Um, and this is also when he starts um, kind of getting his typical, because none of the people from Shadows, I think. You don't know. There's no one really. Really were reoccurring, became reoccurring John Cassavetti's people. Which is another reason why um, I find that Shadows is unique, because it's it feels like it's its own time capsule. Like, I, I honestly feel, though the improvisation is there in Shadows, I feel like Shadows is a very different movie than the rest of his films. Personally, Sam, I know yeah. you, you said this off camera uh, or Mike. I, I find after Shadows, I find, or even with a little bit of Shadows, I find that all his movies have the same vibe. I don't think so because I really, th- well, we'll get into it, but we can agree faces and shadows are very different. So we'll start there. Shadows, I think, I didn't love Shadows, but Shadows was the thing that blew him up. Like, apparently, it was kind of like, um, uh, what was the one thing, like, the, the one thing that Orson Welles was doing before he died? Like, the uh, wind over... Ah, shoot. Uh, it was going to be directed by, or it was going to star John Huston. Um, and then it had uh, Peter uh, Bagdanovich um, was all, was in it. Of course. Um, but then ended up, you know, housing... Uh, Orson Welles, but it was kind of like that film where it was like people were. Um, can you look that up? What it's called? I'm tr- um, I'm, I'm trying to think of yeah. Uh, but it was right. like that film where it was like okay, this director is gone in his house filming something, and oh, we don't it's know. It's called The Other Side of the Wind. Yeah, The Other Side of the Wind. The director is gone in his house. We don't know what happened to the director. He just has a very small crew, and he's shooting something in his house because Faces was mostly shot in his house. It was also the first film that has his wife, uh, Gina Rollin, is in it. Um, and Gina Rollin and John Cassavetes were married, um, and they did a slew of other films together. Um, and in my opinion, I don't think Gina Rollin was really great in, in Faces. I think she was kind of um, just played a, a woman. I don't really think she played a great part. Like, she didn't really seem multifaceted. I, um, I thought I thought she was okay, but I would not say that she was. I mean, when I think of that movie, I think of the other guy. Um, his name is and I, uh, John John Marley Mar- Marley John Marley Marley, who is that the guy? Yeah, Go you ahead. may know him as the film producer in The Godfather, who's like like I could have yeah. like ah like the guy who wakes up to find wasn't a he horse in Network. Head. 
not to my knowledge. Okay. I, okay, but yes, I know who you're talking about. Yes. But yeah, this guy. I thought John Marley. I here's the thing about some of these characters, though. I, I find a. I I don't. I didn't find any of these characters to be truly likable. <laughs> At yeah. least in my opinion, like faces. It was just about. It's it's about a midlife crisis about a guy who is like I find this woman to be attractive so I'm going to um date someone who's a lot younger than me mhm um um I which I also I didn't like it in the same way cuz it it really yeah it, it's that perpetuating thing in film in which really old guys in their 60s probably in their 60s are the star of the thing and are made are basically made to act like 20 year old guys or they want to be they're 20 sleeping year... around yeah they want to be 20 year old guys and they're made and they're sleeping around with you know young women and the young women have no voice of their own um and i don't know there's also the the character that keeps or not the character the actor that keeps coming up in john cassavetti's films but in in kind of minor roles Fred Draper, who's the guy at the very beginning, you know, it's, you know, there's like the three of them. There's the woman, there's the person from Godfather, and then there's the other dude. Uh-huh. Uh, that other dude is named Fred Draper, and he keeps showing up in John Cassavetti's films, and he's always so annoying. Like, he's always a really annoying person in his films, Um and that, that's one of my takeaways. I have a bunch of notes. That's one of my takeaways from his, is every time he shows up, I get annoyed that, like, he just seems like an annoying person. Uh, he, he's the, I know what you, uh, now seeing his face, he's the guy who he does come in and he, like, makes trouble that I feel like yeah. doesn't need to be that there. That doesn't need to be there. Though, when yeah. I look up his IMDb, it, what he's known for is a woman under the influence, John Cassavetti's faces, M Squad, and then finally he was in... Five years of Columbo, the good years, hmm. 1971 to 1976. So, but yeah, so oh, Faces he, was the thing that made him famous. He got a nomination for the Oscars for it was the only thing I think he got nominated for screenplay. Um, yeah, it I had was the surpre- French New Wave thing where it was. Um, it begins with a movie, like they're watching a movie, like it's like it's like this kind of thing where they're watching the movie that we're about to watch. Did you get that? I uh, yes, uh, and I find that with a lot of these, like the '60s or like about yeah, to be, I thought that was where like say stupid. like John Cassavetes, no, sorry, like Peter Bogdanovich, uh, with his I think first movie Targets, that also opens up to a movie, and then you also have Martin Scorsese Mean Streets, which the trailer is us watching, or not the trailer, the credits is us watching a movie. Um, yeah. of like what's going on. So it's almost kind of like a nod saying, Hey, I love movies so much. Watch a movie, watch my characters, watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody in that, it's, but, a, it's another thing of like, everybody's a an intellectual, like people know every book and everybody knows every movie. Um, which I, I find very but, fascinating. His next film, so I think we should move on. So that got him a lot of acclaim. And this was also kind of the beginning of his, like, making films, being a film indie film director. I was surprised he got years. Oscar nominations. I, I didn't yeah, know Yeah, he got a lot he... of Oscar nominations. Yeah. Um, or three. So then two years later, he makes a film comes out 
1970 called Husbands. And Zach and I both agree this is our least favorite of John Cassavetes' films. Um, Husbands. Actually, I don't. Here's the thing. I have. I didn't. I watched 30 minutes of it. I guess it is my least favorite movie because I didn't. Yeah. It. So. Because it's so. It, it's the beginning, though. Like all over it's the, the place. Begin- yeah. So it's it's very improvisational. Like that is also a film that is he tries to go back to his improvisational roots. And it's John Cassavetes. It's the first film in which John Cassavetes is directing himself. Um, so he's in it. And it's Ben. Gl- Gazra, Gazra, uh, Gazra, whatever. Gazra, which unfortunately, when I see, like, when I look him up in in other films, the movie that he's most known for, oh, well, he was in Big Lebowski as Jackie Treehorn, but he's also the villain in Roadhouse, which I thought was so funny because, like, he's in these really independent films, like these really, you know, he gets to do whatever he wants, and then he's like the stereotypical bad guy in roadhouse which is a so there's movie. the he's in that film and then he's uh then it's also peter falk and this is the beginning of the friendship between these three people which well, is the one i think interesting thing about this film is they weren't friends before this um like peter falk apparently when he was being filmed by john cassavetes he was like i'll work with you as an actor but i'll I will never, never work, work with you, with you again a, i will never work with you as a director which is ever a again funny funny thing because he shows up in uh let's see uh one two three other of his movies but it's it's a film essentially about and john hasabetti's had a film or a uh, interview where he's saying shadows is about youth um faces is about um not liking or no but he was saying it was about he was sick of old people acting like young people and it it bores him and then the third one yeah i know uh, which made me like the film a little bit more. The third film is about. Um, he was saying it's about, bro- like a, a brother, like male love, like not in a gay way, like male a, love, like bro- he said a that. A bro love, which I think a bro know. love. But the thing is, he was also saying how like like women didn't like the film because they don't understand, like they they're jealous of a, of a friendship that close, a bromance, you know. And I was like, it seems like a very toxic relationship these people have. Like, it doesn't seem like a good friendship. Like, one of them is, like, kind of abusive to his wife. The Ben, whatever, Ben Glizzard or whatever. What's his name again? Uh, yeah, we'll just call him Ben. Big Ben. Ben. So Ben's character is kind of abusive to his wife. And Peter Folk <laughs> and John Cassavetes are like, yeah, we don't really like this guy. Yeah. He's not that great. And then he comes over and he's just like, I know I'm trouble. And they're just like, we love you. This guy's amazing. And then they go to London for some reason and they just harass women. And they like bring them. It's such a weird scene. They bring them back to a hotel. Peter Falk is trying to make out with this girl. And I guess she's, I don't know if she's what her, but she's Asian. And he starts saying like, you're not responding to me because you can't speak English. And he's just like starts being racist towards her. And then I I, I imagine this came out today. He would be like, you're the cause of the coronavirus. And and then and then John Cassavetes is in the room and like kind of just forcing himself upon this girl. But it's made to be like playful in a weird way. Yeah. And it's just kind of 
it's just kind of disgusting now. Like it's just it's it's it really doesn't treat women well at all. So it's, and it's, I don't even like the relationship between the three of them. I love Peter Folk. I love John Cassavetes. I don't really like that Ben guy. But I it, honestly, I, I love the Ben guy in movies where it's not improvised. So um, he's the main character in a later movie called uh, "The Killing of a Chinese Bookie," and he's good in it, but it's very improvised. But um, I will say I do. I, it's very strange to see Peter Falk at like as an aggressive guy. I don't really like seeing him. I like seeing him be more. Uh, what is it? I, I like him as Columbo, is what I'm trying to say. But seeing him be aggressive. So another movie that wasn't directed by John Cassavetes, but I still consider it to be a John Cassavetes movie, is uh, Mickey and Nikki, which is directed by Ellen May. Um, this mm-hmm. is 1976, where Peter Falk and John Cassavetes are. It's it has that improvisational feel too, of them trying to yeah escape being shot. Um, it does definitely feel like a John Cassavetes film. But um, so uh, on to the next film, which unfortunately I haven't seen many. In- well, uh, sorry. One one last thing about Husbands. I think, though, Husbands, one of the things that draw, drew me to Husbands and it kind of ignited this feeling of wanting to watch John Cassavetes films was there's an interview with um, Dick Cavett in which the three of them come out um, blast like completely drunk. And it's just a very awkward it's it's the it's so strange because it it feels like the movie husbands, but it's not the movie. So the entire time they they answer none of Dick Cavett's questions, and they just kind of like slap each other. Like like Peter Falk will say something, and then John Cassavetti like under his breath is like this son of a bitch. He's he's like and he's honestly like, that's what that's what the movie needed is it needed a straight guy and needed someone to just be like, what are you, what's going on? Cause Dick Cavett was the funniest part of that. Interview. He was, he's like, okay, he was just like, these guys I just are... want to ask a question. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So we can, we can move on. So I haven't seen his next film in 1971 called Minnie and Moe's, uh, Moskowitz. Yes. I haven't heard it either. Um, I don't think it's the most well-regarded. Well, I mean, it's, but it, then... it's got, it's got Gina Rollins and uh, another one of his guys, Seymour, uh, Castle, Cassie, Kessiel, who's been in a few of his movies. It is a movie that I would like to watch. It oh, just, yeah. some of these, some he of these movies. Faces. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of John Cassavetti's movies or like half of his movies aren't on any streamable platform. Uh, yeah. And like you have to buy, you have to get the, you have to purchase or go to your local library, b- library to uh, get uh, Criterion uh, Collection has a a five stack of John Cassavetes movies, which includes Opening Night, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, A Woman Under the Influence, Faces, Husbands, and Shadows. Oh no, sorry, not Husbands, but Faces and Shadows. And that's how I like. I just got the whole box and just watched all of them. Yeah, but Minnie and uh, Moskowitz, not neither of us watched. Um, we but skipped it. I would like. I but would like Col- to watch it eventually. What? But yes. yes. So next he did Columbo, which he was just in a. He was in an episode. I don't know if you want to talk about it. He I'll was talk in about, an episode. Yeah, I'll talk about it real quick. So I loved. Uh, I love Columbo. Another reason why I love Columbo is it brought on a lot of directors that eventually became big like you you have your steven spielbergs you have your jonathan demi and then you have this in like this indie director 
Um, like you hear directors today, like you know Jordan Peele will direct Twilight Zone or or um, people like these big time directors will direct one episode of a TV. I feel like that was a little unheard of. John Cassavetes directs an episode of Columbo. And he stars in Columbo, which is cool, too. I love seeing John Cassavetes and Peter Falk in the same um, room. And the episode is yeah. called Etid, Etid in the Black. A- Etude. Etude in Etude. the Black. Etude. Etude in Black. And Start, let me just say it. Let me just say it. Etude in Black. I just said that. And um, it's about John Cassavetes, and he's a murderer, but he's a piano guy. <laughs> he's a famous Anyway, pianist. so the next film he made is called... A, a woman under the influence, which, in my opinion, is the best John Cassavetes film. Agreed. And I think this film also was very hard to distribute. And you'll find with a lot of his films and why I think he's like the spiritual father of indie film isn't necessarily that he was the first indie person. I think if you ever point to someone and say this person's the first, you can always find an exception for most cases. But it's because he was a indie director throughout his whole career. He always struggled finding money. He always was like very hard to find, like to dist- to distribute it. And for this film, he did um he four walled the film, in which he bought out theaters, and he that's what it's called when you like four wall something. You buy out whole theaters, and you play your film because you buy the theater. So you just play the film that way, and that's how you get people to watch it and eventually he got it into um the new york film festival i believe Mm. um because um what's his face uh scorsese had he was becoming like a big name because he just did mean streets and he was doing um, alice doesn't live here anymore and that was in the new york film festival and he loved john cassavetes so he was like i'm gonna take my film out of competition unless you allow him to put this film into the competition i did not know um, that but speaking about and, oh go on well it's just this movie is it's so great and i think one of the things that made me appreciate john cassavetes even more is just is because of gina Rowland. like i think mm-hmm. without gina Rowland, it would just be like husbands like it would just be like this very macho oh, man thing and so gina much Rollins really brings this feminine touch to his films of just understanding and just, just much more complicated and nuanced and caring that I don't think John Cassavetes really expresses by himself or even his male counterparts that he brings. Well, And Gina Rollins, in this film, she's the star, and she is so good. So good. Well, I think the thing, the reason why I, uh, reason why I think she brings such a, a light to this film is she is... Uh, the way she's acting is so strange and so uncomfortable. Um, and it's hard to see sometimes. But then you have to think about... So the movie is about um, a married couple and the wife is having a mental breakdown. And I've never experienced a mental break. I've I've had anxiety, but I've... Like, sometimes having children and just living the life can be too much for some people. And how do you deal with that with somebody you love having th- this mental breakdown and it's and it's not too wild it's 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 subtle at times but it's just it's so it's so very strange to see how real it looks and I think that's yeah. the, that's the reason why I love it and also I mean I think Peter Falk's character 
doesn't deal with it the best way. And I was also uncomfortable by that because he slaps Gina Ra- Rollin around like, and he like threatens to, to kill the kids. It's just, it, but like, I mean, that's horrible and that's spousal abuse. But I'm just thinking. I mean, this is also I think relates to John Cassavetes. I think he this this is I don't I don't, I don't think a lot of directors would handle that the same way today, <laughs> or like yeah, I don't but- think this is even like, but. Once again, how do you deal with this situation? This is a very un like, I c- I mean I could stand here and be like that is horrible. That don't ever hit your wife. That's not a situation. But in this film, when life is falling around you, uh, it seems like this was, I guess, the approach that Peter Falk took, which maybe explains to his character. You know, he loves his wife. Sorry. So- Someone's vacuuming now, so you could probably hear that. Um, hopefully, they'll stop soon. Oh, they just stopped. Um, I'm just, I'm but, just saying, um, it's a very uncomfortable film, but it feels, yeah, I mean, it feels real. It feels one very thing, the thing, real. Yeah. One of the things that he keeps saying is how um, a lot of people don't like his films. Like his films are not very well known because they are so real, um, and I think it's important. I think it's important that he has this character dealing with his mentally this his wife kind of falling apart in a very abusive way because it's real. Like I think one of the things with John Cassavetes is he really just doesn't shy away from like life as chaos. And Peter Falk had a quote in which he said like John Cassavetti saw life as a chaotic mess and showed it in a way in which other people wouldn't accept. And that's what he kind of did is he just set up kind of chaotic but also very real situations. And, you know, I don't think that happened. Like, I mean, Gina Rollins and and John Cassavetes, I don't think he was really abusing her. Like, Gina Rollins seems like such a strong woman, I feel like. Well, I haven't. She would have left him. I haven't. Yeah, I was about to say, I I haven't heard I don't know, but also I've just heard them talk about it. And Gina Rollins was like, no, I mean, that, that this is obviously not. I mean, obviously. You know, maybe she was saying that because I just think that the fact that he and whenever he was talked about, like, what's woman under the influence about uh, John Cassavetti said, well, I mean, my wife has been with me on everything. And like, I'm just so lucky to have a woman who can be with me after all my late nights of crazy talks and talking like this and being a nut that I had to make a movie for her, like as an actress, like I needed to make something for her. And just to show my appreciation and to have this as the movie for her. And like Gina Rollins even said, like, this is her favorite film that she was ever in. Um, And I don't know. It was just such a great film. And I think Peter Falk's great in it. And at first I didn't like the fact that he was, you know, abusive, obviously not great. No. But I think it's, 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 it's an interesting. Also, the way it's shot too is like, he'll do a lot of like, not shaky cam, like he'll do shaky cam or like handheld stuff, but then he'll do like this weird force where he'll have something in the foreground and then the character in the backgrounds. And it's like a very, uh, it's like a compressed lens. And it makes yeah. the, it just makes everything seem more, I don't know, jarring. And I- also just, it feels more hand, like, like someone's just in the room with a, a camera. I will say two things. One, 
Um, we're probably going to have to cut out the news part because we're running out of time, but I feel like we still have so much to say. Yeah, we may... Two, also... two, um, uh, he's not a great director. <laughs> like, I think with him, you kind of have to break his stuff down because uh, I mean, I... there's the actor in him, there's the writer in him, there's the editor, there's the director. I think as a director, he really, like he said, the actors, everyone says... He sets up shots to be out of the way of the actors. Like he sets up shots to be so the actors can have as much room as possible. So he really loves long lenses that can make the camera as far away as possible. And it definitely set up an aesthetic, but I don't really think he cares. And I know he doesn't care because he says he doesn't really care too much about shots. Like he doesn't really care about setting up shots. But he he does in some of his films. And I think... When we get later on, I, as he grows older, I feel like he becomes more interested in shots, like love well, streams. Okay, so in that in that sense, I would say he is a great director because he does he grows and changes with the times. He doesn't he doesn't do any. I mean, you can't. I mean, people do commercial films, you know, the one for you, one for me. But it seems like he really was trying to stick to his guns, and he realized the system was horrible and it was getting corrupt and in that sense i think he's a great director because he's trying to be his own voice and do his own thing and i think people uh in that i mean like I, his style is is chaotic and a little crazy for my like i wouldn't ever do that in a film but um it was john cassavetes you know and I so feel get like on, it, uh, the next film yeah. is oh sorry do you, the well, next was, film is the one that you watched and I didn't watch. Yes, so the next movie is called The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which has our favorite guy who can't pronounce his last name Ben Gazia. This oh and Seymour Castle Kissel. Um, this is John Cassavetes. I think it's Gazara. Gazelle. Uh, what you know what? Gazara. It's C A S S E L. Cast Castle. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Oh, oh, sorry. I was thinking of Ben Gazzara. So this it's is Ben Gazzara, right? So this is John Cassavetes' take on a gangster film. Um, what it happens is it's a strip club owner who gets over uh, in over his head and uh, needs to owe the mob money, and this is this is him trying to wiggle his way out of it. Um, a lot of it seems to be that kind of. Like we see, like you never know when the next shot is about to happen. So he'll be talking to the girls, like behind the the strip club, and then he'll be like walking around, and then he'll walk by a table, and then the guys will be like, "Come here, Johnny! Like, come over here!" And they're like, "Yeah, what's up? Like, you know, your money's due." And like, and then it's that kind of improvisational, like, "We'll kill you if you don't get the money." Like, you know that it's very subtle. Um, it was good. Um, I found it a little boring in parts and it also it it heart you you can tell that in this one he shows less of his love for movies and his love for theatrics because it's a strip club and there's whole scenes where it's just us watching a, a strip club the uh, play like the whole like almost kind of like a porno where like some guy comes out and like hello i'm in france oh who are you I'm the police officer. Here come off my clothes. Like we see a lot of that. Mm. And the is it, last is it nudity? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, 
Okay, so but maybe not. All I, all I remember, the thing that makes me remember the most is at the very end, we don't know if he's in trouble or if he's out of the water with killing this Chinese bookie. Um, but it's just 10 minutes. So I think this guy is having a mental breakdown because he doesn't know if he's safe or not. So I, he has this five minute and maybe longer monologue. It's just like his stand up bit. He gets on mm-hmm. stage and he goes, hello, everybody. You know who I am. I'm the owner of this strip club. And then he goes like on a joke. You know that scene in Raging Bull? See, this is what I'm talking about, Sam. We talk about Martin Scorsese a lot. Well, I mean, I mean in this I mean, I circumstance. Guess in this, it's because they're so linked. Anyways, it's kind of like that scene in Raging Bull where uh, um, Jake LaMotta is like he's the club owner. And we see him like yeah. doing his shtick. It's like that. But that's how the movie ends. And it's just him Got doing it. a whole thing. So it, it, it's okay, but I, it's not really one of my favorites of his. Well, it's uh, one other thing that's interesting is it has Al Rubin um, is one of the actors in it. Um, and Al Rubin is also the his main cinematographer and also a producer, just to show how tight-knit everything is. Um, but so you said it's very theor- uh, about theatrics. Well, that's also in spades for his next film, Opening Night, um, which is about the opening night of a theater. And have you seen this, Zach? I have seen this. This is another main Gina Rollins movie. But in this movie, I find Gina Rollins, uh, per- like, not, her performance is great, but I find her character to be somebody I would loathe. She's this well, prima donna. She's, whole... she's a very Let me explain the story. So the, the story is really it's about aging is kind of what this one's about. It's about actors and especially women actors coming to terms with the fact that once they hit a certain age, they have to get rid of like their older self, their older women self, and they have to now play older women. And it's kind of like that age between like I think Gina Rollins was in her late 40s at this point, like what that age when you start to realize that you're playing older women parts um and it was very unprofessional um like i think it was very overblown how she dealt with it but um which made me kind of annoying because like the ending was i don't want to ruin it but the ending was very stressful um and yeah that movie as with most john cassavetes but that movie felt um, like the most like okay woman on the influence was stressful but i could it felt i don't know something about it felt good like not not good but it felt pure this just felt like and maybe i don't maybe i don't understand it because i'm not a woman and i don't understand that i mean i understand aging but like losing your your fate like not face but like people will stop respecting you as you age as a woman actor Mm -hmm. maybe i think that's what you said like that's the antithesis and she does have this kind of mental breakdown um but she gets the thing I'm wondering is at the very end, she gets unbelievably drunk <laughs> before the opening night of this. Well, are we going to ruin it? Yeah. Zach spoils the movie at this point, but Sam stops it, realizing that that would ruin the effect. All right. So, anyways, since we're not going to talk about the ending, um, I really like the film. Um,. It was John Cassavetes actually said it was his favorite film he ever was a part of. 
um, was opening night. I also have a lot of, I was thinking the whole time, this is probably influenced to Birdman. Like Birdman probably yeah. was like using this as some kind of reference. Because um, I think it's all in like one day or maybe two days. Like she goes to sleep. I think it's it's not quite as good as Women Under the Influence, but I think it's on the same page. But one thing interesting, and this is a segue to the next movie. One thing interesting is that Gina Rollins' characters, I feel like, has a habit of playing uh, someone losing their mind. Yeah. <laughs> and a movie, the next movie. Well, actually, I don't know if this is the next movie. Um, next movie. Oh, no, this is the Gloria. next movie. Yeah, the next movie was three. Ugh, let me do the transition. The next movie. So this is three years later. The next movie is kind of the opposite where Gina Rollin kind of keeps her cool this whole movie. Um, and it's also kind of a mobster. It is a mobster movie. And it's actually kind Very of intense. Um, where And it was the only John Cassavetes film that got a remake. Um, really? And Gloria is, yeah, it's the only, it got a remake in like the late 90s uh, by Sidney Lament did the remake, I did um, which is kind of weird. Um, but it has uh, a young, uh, you know, Hispanic kid, Lupe, this is the actor's name, Lupe um, Garnicchia, and um, Gina Rollins. Um, and basically, Lupe's family was killed by the mafia. And Gina, and Gina Rollins' character, Gloria, is trying to protect him the whole time. And she's also part of the mafia. Um, so it's really just her defending this kid. And what I thought was so interesting about it was John Cassavetes, I don't think, can write for kids. No, <laughs> like there's, he, oh there's, my goodness. There's a, line, there's a line in it where the kid, the, there's this weird thing where the kid has a thing for the older women. And it's not really that weird because it like it makes sense he's a guy probably going through his like starting to begin puberty and she's like not acknowledging it but it's still like this this thing like it seems like it, it, it if he was older it would be like this relationship thing and he says he says you like they go to some hotel and the hotel person says like oh we can't give you a room we won't give you a room which I'm thinking maybe they were insinuating that she was like, they were going to have, like, he thought that this was kind of like a shady thing. Mm. And then he said, Oh, he's like, yeah. like he said, like they see a dime like you and a guy like me. They don't know the score. Uh, and this came out in 1980. <laughs> no kid no, kid. no Hispanic kid is going to be talking like that in 1978 or whenever it was filmed. For his defense, just... I will say, for his defense, it seems like he immediately parroted or, like, uh, like was repeating or taking on the essence of Gloria, which is Jean, Gina Rollins, who's this, like... I don't know. Gina Rollins is this, like, tough... I actually... What's the Bitnell? The Bitnell test where two women have to talk to each other and it's not about a man... Like, mm -hmm. I, I think this movie does do that um, or wins that. But she's very much just like, beat it, pal. Like, she says at one point, like, forget about it. So this kid, um, the thing I think is, I don't think the kid was that good of an actor. But it no. almost felt like an avatar for John Cassavetes. Like, it was, yeah. it was weird that he was a Latino kid, but he was speaking like a a 55-year-old uh, white alcoholic man. 
Yeah. Like it was, it was just it weird my, to see. It held my attention the whole time, the film. Oh. It, it really, it, it went from zero to a hundred in a few places that I was not expecting. And I thought it was going to go, I, I didn't, I really didn't know what to think of it, but it, it, I, I still liked the film. And it also was great because it ended with them going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, I saw some. At a graveyard, Allegheny um, which Cemetery. Is, which is pretty close to um, Bloom, Bloomfield. Though I got to yeah. say, for people who are Pittsburghers, there was a shot in New York that I'm very certain was downtown Pittsburgh. Because the way that uh, the there was like a little garden, but it went, it like inclined into a parking garage it looked like that's that there is an exact place in pittsburgh like that but um they said they were in new york which i thought was funny yeah so the film is actually was not supposed to be uh directed by john cassavetes he wrote it just to make money like he just he didn't want to direct it he just wrote the script and sold it to i think universal i forget who but then the director dropped out and then gina rollins like the film and then gina rollins got john cassavetes to direct it so the next film the last film we're going to talk about because we're running out of film is the last film that john cassavetes ever acted in ever directed uh well that's not true sorry it's the last film that he ever acted in and was the writer and director for which unfortunately because his last well let me his last film was big trouble which was made in 1986 and that was because peter falk got him on and it wasn't something that he wrote it was just something he was doing as like a pal he was doing for his pal peter falk but he didn't like the film it was it was a flop and actually the the production company that produced big trouble sold their rights to um uh back to the future because they they wanted to make this movie but instead they got they got screwed over um so his last film that he ever was the writer-director for and acted in um, was this movie called Love Streams. And did you see this movie, Zach? I have not. Unfortunately, it was not on the Criterion channel. Um, yeah, so this one was really hard. And sorry if I'm talking fast. We're, like, almost out of time. Um, this one was his last film, uh, and he knew he was dying at this point. Uh, doctors said, you have six months to live. So he shot this film. Um, really? In fact, he had, Holy yeah, he had actually three years left uh, to live when he was shooting this. Um, but he, the doctors were saying, you're about to die. So this film was, um, he knew he was dying at this point. He probably knew this was going to be his last film. And it's a generally sad film because it's really about this old bachelor who doesn't really have too much love in his life. Um, he seems to surround himself with a bunch of prostitutes, but he seems very lonely and his sister, who is played by Gina Rollins, oh. um, they is a is is going through a divorce, and his daughter doesn't want to be with her because she's kind of a nut, um, and so she has her own family situations going on. But they finally, like halfway through the movie, they meet up, and they're kind of just trying to take care of each other because they're both kind of falling apart mentally. Um, so once again, Gene Rollin losing her mind. Um, John Cassavetes losing his still mind. playing that chauvinistic kind of asshole. But you know, in more in more ways than in other films, he's kind of getting what he deserves from leading leading this life. Um, and it's just kind of a sad film, honestly. But 
of his films, like this came out in 1984, it did seem like this was the one when I was saying he starts focusing on shots more. I think this one has the best shots with like silhouettes and colors. And it's it reminded me a little bit of Paris, Texas, honestly, like how it was shot. Love that um, film. I don't love the film, but the, sh- the cinematography is great. Um, but it, it feels like he was trying to do something different, which is why I think John Cassavetes throughout his whole career has always done something different in every single one of his films. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have like th- three minutes left, two minutes left. Um, unfortunately, um, I mean, I will say he did do one last movie called Big Trouble. That's what uh, I was just saying. I just talked about that. Yeah, though it was weird because it had it had Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. I already said all this. You said Alan Arkin was in this? I didn't say Alan Arkin, but I said Peter Falk brought him on to do mm. it. Well, anyways, so that is John Cassavetes' people. Um, yeah, and he try. he was a he was a legend. Um, there's so much more that you could say about him. Well, um, his acting career too is probably what people think of him most. I mean, for people who really want to cement like in your mind who he is, is he's the husband and Rosemary's baby, and he's one of the Dirty Dozen in the movie The yeah. Dirty Dozen. He also did a lot of these roles. Like he did, he said he did Rosemary's Baby to make the film Faces. Like he was a, towards the end of his career, to like the latter half of his career, he was mostly acting to be able to pay for these films. Which hey, I mean that's so, it's like a win-win. We get more John Cassavetes and also, we get a John Cassavetes movie. Oh, his you know what? Something his, that's really what his his last acting credit is King Kong's uh, Faust. Huh. Yeah, so one of the things that I think is interesting with him is he always uses his house, like Gene Rollins in his house. Oh, really? So, like, I didn't know that. in the movie Faces, yeah, like, Faces has, is shot a lot of it in his house, and then Love Streams is shot, most of it is shot inside their house. So it's kind of interesting you see, like, you know, you see their house kind of not change over the years. And it, you, you know it now. It's like the John Cassavetes house because you've seen it in so many of his films. Is it the same house? Um, same house. Same house. Because, like, you know how the faces ends with them in the stairwell? Yeah. Like, they do a lot of shots in the stairwell as well in, in Love Streams. Huh. Um, but, yeah, so that's John Cassavetes. We're probably out of time. Um, but, you know, watch some of his films and uh, appreciate him and his contribution to cinema. Then go watch other films that are inspired, that inspire you. From yeah, now. as well. All right, and go make a movie. Yeah, make a movie. Right. Okay. Um, God speed everyone. Uh, God be clean, Spider Man. God. Uh, shoot. All right, cutting it off.